everybody welcome back today we're doing another episode of hell talk now that the end of the jamie delano run has been reached uh it's the first main run of that and today of course as always i have my co-host hoku how you doing hoku hi everybody i'm doing good just enjoying getting my head around all the crazy shit that's happened in these past few issues yeah maybe you can explain to me what happened (laughs) because I'm still a little bit fuzzy on exactly what was going on, but you know, that's, that's Jamie think, Delano. Yeah. He, he really, like you've said, he puts forth really great ideas, but doesn't quite give you enough to understand them completely. Yeah. I think, you know, last episode when I said that it was like uh, the, probably the most uh, ins- insightful thing I've ever said about Jamie Delano's writing. Like, <laughs> because after I said it, I was like, Oh yeah. Like that is it. Like, he doesn't quite, he's got a lot of cool ideas, but it doesn't, I can never quite like grab it, you know, like I can never get my head around it, you know? So, um, so yeah, we, we, for this episode, we read issues or we listened to issues 30, 32 through 40 and, uh, which is the last eight issues of the run. And we got a couple, like a lot of little story arcs in this one. It's not one solid one. Uh, like you were saying before we were recording, uh, so, just generally, what did you think of this little little run here? I really enjoyed the little bites that he yeah. kept this up to. I think it it overall makes you feel like you're getting more out of fewer issues because this was what only like eight issues yeah, or eight so. Eight issues, yeah. And isn't that how long Fear Machine was? Fear Machine's nine. Nine. So, like, I feel like I got more out of these eight issues than the entirety of Fear Machine. Just from the different characters that we met, the different plot points that got, you know, finished and cleaned up nicely. Like a few little stray tags here and there, which is always great because that means hopefully they'll use it again or do something with them. But overall, I really enjoyed this whole set of issues as like you you wouldn't even need to technically call it a, a, a chunk of like the full story because there's like almost four different stories within these issues. So I really enjoyed that we got a lot more movement from the story than being bogged down by a single storyline with like little threads here, the way um, some of the other ones have been. So I don't know if that was an artistic choice for them to say, hey, can you just like shorten it to like one or two issues per idea? (laughs) Or if he just naturally did this after himself doing like all that with Fear Machine and Family Man and being like, you know what, I could do some short stories now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he wrote this one uh, or like these stories. I, like, I, I wonder if he knew like I'm ending, like my run is going to end at 40. So like I want to get this like Magus storyline wrapped in there. But also I want to tell these other little side stories. And one of them is actually a fill-in issue. Issue 32, the first one we're going to talk about is um, is the dog issue. <laughs> the, the infamous Red dog the issue. Dog. Yeah. And so like that one's written. It says... It says Jamie Delano on the cover, I think, or something. But then on the inside, it says Doug Foreman or Dick, uh, Dick Foreman, I think. I can't remember. I can't remember what his name is. But 
the guy who fills in on like all Swamp Thing and Hellblazer issues uh, whenever they need like a little extra run or a little extra issue in between. Um, I wonder if it's like they give him an idea of like, hey, so I have this idea for a story. I just don't have time to write it. Can you kind of fiddle with it? And then he pops these gems out. Yeah. Like just weird individual stories that they're like, ah, I'm thinking something about a possessed dog. Just just run with it. He's just like, oh, yeah, I got that. <laughs> that makes sense because I think they do like credit him as like a writer on it as well, like Jamie. So I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe like you said, it was like plotted and then dick just was like okay i'll do all the words and like some of the other story beats or something but uh either way i like this one a lot i thought that, i think this one's like a fun yeah. one and i think uh john <laughs> is very like funny in this one um i do think the premise is a little silly like uh specifically how he defeats the dog <laughs> um oh and, like, yeah just yeah how pepper, he or what was it well there was pepper but then also he like uh, he happened to see dogs playing in the park earlier that morning or whatever and saw how like the alpha would like not attack a dog if he uh, laid down on his belly. So he was like, all I got to do is lay down on my belly. And I'm like, Your only he thought of it in. sooner and he wouldn't have to go through all that running and hiding. And I know. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> then we wouldn't have an issue, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, uh, but yeah, he, I, I, I like the way like, he does have to run and he's trying to get out of the situation and it makes sense. Cause it's like, what do you, I mean, your first thought when a giant killer dog is chasing you is not like, I'm going to roll over on my tummy or on my back and right. reveal my stomach so that the instincts will kick in and he won't kill me. And so, um, that is like the only little, little silly thing, but I, I let it go. It is comics at some point, you know, and you go, mm -hmm. like, all right, well I've read crazier stuff or like sillier stuff than that for endings to things so um and it is a fill-in issue so i always give those like a little uh like a pass on certain things because you're like someone's got to come in and try to like fill in an issue in the middle of this run and you know of course it's it's got to fill in but it can't really tie into anything and because who knows what the writer wants to do after that and then <laughs> it's just you know, you're trying to craft a story in one issue. That's pretty hard. But I think uh, it was pretty successful with this one. I agree. I think that it fits fine. It has, you know, beginning, middle, and end. It's both fits in with the storyline, but also if you take it out, it doesn't really affect anything around it. So, it, Although like they said, do mention dogs. Like, the, there's one. Oh, that's right. The joke later with the, where he's like, I'm so sick and tired of dogs. Yeah. yeah i love that callback because if you're that gonna have funny. you know it's nice that jamie delano would call back to a fill-in issue right but that that is pretty funny maybe yeah. he just really liked that the way that story came out and was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put a little little in there for, for him <laughs> now it's canon because i mentioned it <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's you know that's one of those things i never think about it because you know, every run of American comics has like fill-ins and sometimes those writers, mm -hmm. they try to go big. They try to make their stamp on that character. And a lot of the times that shit just gets forgotten in the past because no one ever mentions it again. So like technically it is canon because it's in the run or whatever. But if no one ever mentions it again, then it's not really, you know, like like technically it is, That's but true. no one's going to count it as canon they're going to be like, oh, that was this one fill-in writer, this one issue that no one ever brings up. So it's not really canon. Um, but it's, but because Jamie Delano calls back to it, 
now it's canon. He definitely fought that dog. And uh, I like I appreciate that. I kind of wanted like a writer later on to pick the story back up because, you know, at the end, there's like the rat that's possessed. So right. or they insinuate that the rat is possessed. So it's like they could have someone could have picked up a storyline where he's got to fight a giant rat or whatever. <laughs> or like yeah. figure that out. Or there's something going on with these rats and, you know. Uh, spin the off of that rat becomes king rat and gets a bunch of rats like uh what, what was what's that play or that um, ballet nutcracker the nutcracker you know, king rat with all his well rats. that's basically what this is the dog right he becomes king dog and gets all the dogs yeah <laughs> but, you know it's funny it, it actually reminded me of uh one of clive barker's stories from book of bloods where same kind of idea is that although i don't think necessarily that the character uses magic or anything but just that there's this one story he has about uh, a police detective who has to go to this like boys reform school to be mm -hmm. a teacher and one of the kids has disappeared and they don't know what happened to him and i'll spoil it a little bit just because i won't give away the full ending but there's also this like giant pig out back in a sty that the kids are supposed to take care of these farm animals as part of their rehabilitation one of the kids like killed himself and then let the the pig eat him so that he could then put his spirit in the pig. So mm. really messed up story. But that was to me it struck a similar chord of just the idea of like human possessing an animal. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've grown to not trust anybody who owns a lot of pigs because I know that they could just <laughs> kill someone and throw them in the pen and the pigs will eat them. So, you know, if you're looking for bodies and someone has a pig farm, I think you know where you'll find them. So, also dogs, yes. all the watchmen. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, but I think I've seen a lot more media with pigs doing it than uh, than dogs. Although I'm sure you know, get, train a dog to eat them. But uh, but yeah, so I thought that issue was pretty fun. Um, and then the next issue is the one I'm like, what is what? <laughs> like out of nowhere, it's the one that's like Sundays are different. And it's just like, yeah, John has a nice Sunday. Trippy. Yeah. Or does he? Oh, yeah. Or does he? Who I knows? Mean, is this normal? Is this a normal Sunday for him where the world just goes topsy-turvy and he jumps into a slightly different dimension and then just readjusts himself? Because, I mean, he does that every Sunday, just jumps into a new dimension. Well. It was such a trippy thing. I could never figure out if it was, if it meant to be like, this is normal for him. Or it's like Sunday, I can't trust what happens, meaning something weird just happens every Sunday. Or, right. or any day he tries to be all. I'm going to like move on. I'm going to be normal. I'm going to be a nice guy. And for some reason that upsets the universe and, and <laughs> like, like the universe won't let him be a nice guy. He's got to be a dick. Exactly. <laughs> Cause that is how God or whoever wants him to be. Uh, that's a funny idea. I, for me, the whole second half of this issue is a dream, like a fever dream. Cause he, he ate bad mm. food or whatever. And he had uh, food poisoning. And I just imagined him sitting on the toilet passed out, you know, with his face against the uh, the graffiti that he like started messing with the le the letters and stuff. Um, so I like, yeah, I just imagine him just like pass out in there, just having this crazy dream because he ate the bad food. Um, but yeah, like it's such a weird. I one. hope so. Yeah, yeah, right. I had no idea because my idea is like way worse. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, like oh, sometimes he just goes to another dimension. <laughs> but the reason I don't think it's that is because he never does it again or anything right so it's just kind of like it's it's weird because it's written by jamie delano but it feels like a fill-in issue 
because it's never yeah. referenced again and it's just kind of a one-off um and he doesn't have many of those even like the ones you think are like um was issue 23 the one where he like hangs out with his friend um that sets up the whole the dead guy yeah yeah the, no. oh that one no not not the dead guy one the one that we're, it's the the literary guy i can't remember his name Jehoshaphat oh right um, yeah yeah where like oh you know, that could have been a, a one-off but then he like continues it into the family man story arc so it's like okay like you kind of needed that for setup but this there's no reason to have it right there's nothing that happens afterwards to say whether he like either got back to our universe or like you said if it was just a, a fever dream brought on by by stomach pains and, and food poisoning yeah he didn't like wake up in the stall the next day or something he just it just like the story continued after that as a plus the 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 like you said the nod at the end of of the issue where he kind of almost looks at the camera you said yeah he like winks at us as the wings so then even more so it's like wait so he's breaking the fourth wall right there is that also part of his dream or is that again just a normal sunday thing where the universe just fits him out somewhere weird and he's just like well i guess i'll get back to reality when i get back to reality i don't know (laughs) it's weird enough and it never happens any other time in the series even in jamie delano's run so i'm like I don't know. Maybe Jamie just wanted to tell this weird one-off story and was like, "I'll put it here," and then, because <laughs> he, you know, if he knows he's wrapping it up, you know, he's only got eight issues. It's like, okay, well, I'll use these two. You know, we got the dog story, then we got my one weird story, then we, you know, get into the meat and potatoes, which I thought is interesting. You have um, an issue, the next issue, I can't remember which. Oh, the Boogeyman is the name of that one, and it's like john finding marge and mercury again from the fear machine story and immediately in my head i was like oh i know hoku doesn't like the fear machine story arc so i wonder if <laughs> she's gonna like them coming back or like fear fearing it like oh my god is this gonna be another fear machine like <laughs> i liked them as characters it was the story that they were put in that was not my favorite but i enjoyed them as characters and i hoped i would see them in kind of like how zed came back in that one as well right previous ones I was like, oh, cool. I hope that means that they'll also continue to come back. Because I like seeing them continue to use characters they have previously, especially if they're still alive, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> it's nice to know that there's some people who don't die after meeting John for the first time. Or, you know. Some people. Having there's, met there's him some. in. <laughs> yeah, like, it happens a lot. Not to mention also people who, like, they bring in. And it's like, oh, we've been super long friends for a long time. And you're like, oh, shit. They, they're meeting John again, which means they're probably going to die. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I had that feeling of, oh, they're back. Oh, does that mean they're going to die because they're meeting up with him again? <laughs> right. And and this one uh, is a kind of a hard issue to read because John is such a sleazebag in it. Like he comes to them, he finds them like where they're at with their camper. And then he comes to them and he's just, he just wants to fuck Marge. But like, he's got to like go around her like defenses. So he's, he's got to be like manipulator. And yeah, it's like a I, I know it's hard because he's like the hero, right? He's like the care, the main character of the story. Um, but like you don't like him as the reader. At least I don't I don't <laughs> in this, especially in this issue. Um, I feel yeah. like he does get better depending on who's writing him sometimes. But Jamie Delano really likes to keep him in the muck, you know, um, antihero, I think would be a better way to yeah. describe him because antiheroes are allowed to do bad things sometimes. Yeah, he's definitely an anti-hero. Just sometimes he goes in the more like, like even if he's an anti-hero, generally he's not like 
a horrible person that's manipulating women or making them like, yeah, he's like making her feel bad in order to like get what he wants. It's, it's, it's very like, like bad. Um, and also you hear like, like Mercury's being affected by it. She's sitting outside feeling all of this, um, manipulation that he's doing and like what her sister's feeling about it. So she has to live it too because she's psychic. So yeah. So he's hurting both of them just yeah. because he wants to feel better. Yeah. And it's like, it's a weird issue for like the character. what do you think about that? Uh, it was icky for sure. Uh, I didn't particularly like John in that issue. Wanted to slap him quite a few times. Actually, right. Yeah. You want, <laughs> you want have. Marge to hit him or something. <laughs> Leave them alone. You asshole. Haven't they been through enough? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like Here you just come in to like disrupt their lives just because you're feeling sorry for yourself again. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's I don't know. It, it's one of the worst uh, issues for John, I think, as a character. I'm sure. Like, I mean, there's 300 issues of this run. I'm sure, or of the mm-hmm. series. I'm sure he gets even lower than that. But generally, he he doesn't um, treat women badly or other people usually too bad other than not not on purpose. Not on purpose. Usually, usually not on purpose. This I, is one of those times where he chose to kind of be a smarmy asshole and play on her you know her her heartstrings and and get from her what he wanted without any regard for how he might be hurting her yeah or or you know either of them yeah really. mercury either yeah so 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 i was actually i didn't mind so much when uh, the next morning in the next issue when you know, Mercury kind of just oh, messed yeah. with his mind afterwards. I was like, you know, you kind of deserve that. Yeah, it's you're an harsh, asshole. But you were kind of a dick that night. And whether you meant it or not, we kind of get the feeling you did because you were in, you were still semi-sober enough to know what you were doing was wrong. And in his head, at least we got those thoughts of like, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway kind of feeling. Yeah. So when she's just like, hey, so I'm going to kind of just throw your death at you. I was kind of like, you know, you 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 kind of deserve that a little bit. I don't think he'll die. Obviously, he can't die because this is his series. Not not yet, anyway. I don't know. Maybe he dies at some point. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil issue <laughs> 300 for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But at least at this point, I was like, I know there's issues after this. So you can't die here. So this is just going to be sort of hopefully a wake-up call for you to to confront your potential death and, and just, you know, know that you kind of deserve it in this moment. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I really like that issue, too, where Mercury gets him back for the night before. And it's interesting because we have this old man, John, right? And then we see this post-apocalyptic future. And it seems like this is actually the real future that John is looking at. Because later on in the last two issues, they show what the like alternate dimension Magus, the Golden Boy Magus, lived through. And he didn't have that post-apocalyptic future the same way. He didn't get killed by sharks. Everything was all good. So it's like, oh, this might have been like the real future for John uh, that she showed him because she's so like magical or whatever. She has like that. She's got the shin in, we'll call it. So Yeah. <laughs> Almost like she was able to take his consciousness, consciousness and just literally throw it into the future where she knew at some point, you know, it ends yeah. for him. So. Almost like time travel. And this issue is a really, I mean, it's really low key sets up all the stuff that happens in those last two issues with the golden boy Magus, because um, you see John is an old man in this and he's alone. Everybody's dead. The world is dying and he's, he can't do anything about it. He's like 
used all of his friends until there's none of them left and and he can't even get out of you know the world being ending because it's the world being in, ended so um he just you know he's gonna get either killed by dogs or killed by sharks he's got to choose so so uh and that's like a good setup for like the last two issues where it's like um we get to see the golden boy as a old man like the golden magus and it's like oh he's got all his friends with him and they all love him and he's had I think he's had kids with all the women or something too, or at least Mercury, I think. It sounded like he had kids with Mercury's daughter, which is really creepy, but very culty. So I yeah, I'm kinda yeah. figuring that's what was going on there. It sounds like he created a cult of all his closest friends and they're living in some kind of convent paradise. Yes. Even though the world has kind of experienced what it did in his other in the other vision yeah sea levels rising and whatnot but he managed to keep his friends safe they fully believe in him as you do with the cult leader so yeah he's probably had his way with quite a few i mean as I don't all think the cult mercury, leaders though. mercury had her had her husband or, or whatever but it That's was her true. daughter yes that they said that in, they inferred <laughs> that was john's kids and that i was just like <laughs> Well, you know, like yeah, all, all cult leaders, you, you got to sleep with everybody's <laughs> wife. I think that's part of He's the... the golden child, but apparently he still has no scruples about, you know, sleeping around. Hey, if they're <laughs> adults and they can make their own choices, sure, why not? <laughs> but that's but... practically being like, Grandpa John. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he tastes like oh, cigarettes. No, yeah <laughs> yeah no i get it i get it you know i i would be down for any john of any time but you know that's just me so uh <laughs> but yeah and then uh so like that that was a fun issue where kind of it like you don't know it but it sets up like the juxtaposition for those last two issues which i like after reading the last two issues you think back oh yeah he was old in that other one a couple issues back and so at the time i'm like oh this is an interesting issue but it actually does a lot of work for the future issues so i like that one um and then we get uh a creepy look at little creepy john as a boy in the dead boy's heart issue which i that's the one i remember the most from this run like usually when i when i would think back on this whole run like all of jamie delano's issues it would be like the first issues where i'd be like oh that was were fucked up and then for some reason this would stick in my head where it's like john's a weird creepy kid and it's the 60s and he's uh you know going around trying to be cool and hang out with the, the older boys and he gets he finds a, a rock and he's just like it's a heart and I, I i think it's because i being a young boy at one time used to do this shit all the time where i would just like you just you know you pick up a rock you're like it's an arrowhead and it's not at all but like your little kid mine projects you know some cool thing on it um i was actually it, wondering if you were gonna say some sort of like connection to your childhood that was that would be why it stands out so much to you yeah I, that that I <laughs> like, mean, did you collect rocks and call them dead boy hearts did you <laughs> no and i didn't kill bugs with them either thank you hoku i'm not a creepy <laughs> in, in your bug gladiator you know i actually used to at the beach um get hermit crab or little little hermit crabs little sand crabs 
and put them all in my own version of a gladiator ring and make them uh, yeah. and put a new shell in there so that they would fight each other for the new shell. Kill each other for me. That's what you said. <laughs> no, it's just them displacing each other for who gets the best shell. Oh, okay. <laughs> they don't tear each other apart. Okay, that's good. No, no, no. It's just one of them, like, I think pokes at the other one till it leaves the shell and then he jumps in. Yeah. And they're still alive. I mean, if you want to be cruel, you can take away the extra shell. So then there's one of them running out without a shell and then it's naked and, and easy to eat. But, you know, for some predator to get it. But that would only be if you were cruel. I would always make sure there was enough shells to go around. Yeah, so I was throwing like a new shell. So they jump around and be like, oh, new shell. Awesome. But yes, that part, um, not so much the killing bugs part. But yeah, definitely that sort of like anno, that feeling of being a kid and kind of like, I have the power to make them do what I want with yeah. little creatures and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah i also i like, was also a weird child <laughs> i also like the idea of like you know he's trying to impress the older kids so he like he goes to get the nudie magazine i thought that was funny because that's mm -hmm. such a uh i mean that doesn't happen anymore right because porn is so prevalent on the internet or whatever so like you don't need to walk into the woods and hope there's a stump with a playboy that's torn apart inside of it or something you know so like that's what kids used to do back in the day apparently and uh i never did that because yeah that i was even that before my time technology yeah <laughs> but like i mean it's just really weird uh like to see to see john as like a little kid that's all fucking creepy and stuff uh and then also it also sets up what happens in issues uh 39 and 40 where you realize oh this is the sickly boy right like john is the sickly not supposed to live one and so that's why he's so creepy and weird uh even though that's not really kind of brought up in the in the issue itself like i think that's inferred by what they say in those later issues when he's born um i could see that like the sickliness is not just his physical self but also in his mind he's yeah. just not normal <laughs> yeah and also like he's like thrown in to situations where people are being really creepy and weird like adults like the creepiest thing in this issue to me is where he, he stumbles upon the uh the couple making out and about to have sex and then the woman is like no i don't want to but the guy's like whatever i'll do what i want and then and then john comes up on them and she's like oh my god there's a boy watching us and then she gets up to him and goes you like what you see like boy and i'm like oh that's so weird and creepy especially since she was just about to get raped uh <laughs> like yeah was like messed up. she does like a similar thing to John, you know, like that's such a weird thing to do. And I guess, cause you know, he's only like eight or nine or something in that, I think. So, um, yeah, it's just like, that's the crew, one of the creepiest parts of that issue. And there's a lot of creepy parts in that issue. Did you have a creepy part that you thought was extra creepy? Well, I didn't particularly, um, like when he had to hide and it was like he just happened to pick the bush where the homeless man did his business in and that oh was gross. yeah that's gross <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just gross and then he's like no i have to stay here because somebody might find me so i'm just gonna sit here and count my heartbeats <laughs> yeah that that is creepy you're right about that i also the thought obsession it was with the heartbeats was also weird yes that's what i was i also thought it was creepy how like that night when he's sitting in his bed he's just like rubbing the stone on him and it, mm. it reminded me of like, um, like some cultures have like, if you rub like an egg on you when you feel bad, the egg will like absorb the bad energy or whatever. And then like you put it under your bed and then you go to sleep and then 
it will in the morning it will be spoiled or rotten or whatever and that then you will feel good because like the egg took on the sickness um, oh my gosh that totally just reminded me i don't know if you ever used to see those old commercials where you put those things on your feet overnight and then in the morning they'd be black because they pulled all the toxins out of your body <laughs> what you what nonsense is this <laughs> I know, like the infomercials, they used to be like these, like these are healing like pads that you put on your feet while you're sleeping, and then you take them off in the morning, and they're all black because they pulled all the toxins out of your body. And it, I know, it was just something stupid, like it's, it's, you know, like vinegar or something that just turns black by x amount of time, right? After being exposed to air or whatever. But I just remember seeing those as a kid, and that definitely connects with the whole like all the toxins and, and horrible pains and it hurts will be hurts will be pulled out of my body by this magic rock. And I just, just thought of that old infomercial for some reason. That makes sense. But also like it is what a little boy thinks, right? Like a little, little kid, they don't know how the world works. And they, and if, if you believe in this thing so much, like there's a lots of stories that start like that, you know, like even, you know, the Indian in the cupboard or, you know, things like that, where it's like, Oh, I, I have this idea as a child, I do it, and oh my god, it, magic happens, you know? So, like, I get why he would do it. It's just really weird to think, he got this rock, he thinks it's someone's heart. He literally thinks mm -hmm. it is a boy's heart. And then he's, like, rubbing it on his face and stuff. <laughs> it, it is creepy. sort of that connection of, like, a weird connection of, uh, like, this magic rock heart found me in a way and therefore it is my talisman and therefore it can do all these things that i'm saying in my head like it can do it can absorb the power of bugs it can heal my aches and bruises and cuts and yeah he has a very like weird imagination yeah <laughs> to go specifically in those directions not just for me it would be oh pretty rock I'm going to put that on my dresser because I like pretty rocks. It's no, this rock is magical and has these magic properties. And every time he, you know, looks at the rock or he's like, and it can also do this. And if I bleed on it, it's, what was it? When he like put his blood on the rock, uh -huh. it's like somehow that empowered the rock even more or something like that. Yeah, it's blood magic now. <laughs> yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, it's Very creepy. creepy kid. There's that that's creepy. <laughs> and then also like the aunt and uncle situation is creepy. We're like, she's tied up or something it's some weird thing that's going on sexually weird bondage with them. thing uh yeah, yeah some bondage stuff for sure but it does not seem legit bondage because that's consensual so that's just yeah it seems like the wife is just doing it because the, the husband wants to power trips yeah in the name of like let's 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 do some fun yeah let's do some fun stuff that i think is fun and I don't think it's it's fun for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is weird. But then, like, I love her reaction when he's like, oh, you want to rub this rock, this gross fucking rock yeah. on your wounds? And she's like, ugh, <laughs> get that fucking thing away from me. <laughs> I thought that was ugh. really funny when I read it. Uh, I'm actually surprised after learning, like, well, not only how much older his sister is than him, I didn't realize they had that much of an age yet, mm -hmm. but the fact that she still will go to him, because I'm sure this is only the tip of the iceberg of weird shit she has had to deal with with John, but they're still on semi-good terms. That would be a little hard to imagine. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, like... you know, even as an adult, hearing the weird shit he gets into as an adult, but starting from being a child, the fact that she didn't, like, cut ties completely is is good on her i guess for still thinking well he's my brother i should keep in touch yeah i guess you know yeah they never say like he ever did anything really bad around her necessarily but it's just 
yeah, if there's enough weird shit going on, you would think she'd be like, I'm going to stay away from him, but it's her He brother. might turn into a serial killer. I, I don't know if I should like keep in close contact with him, <laughs> but she still seems pretty nice. Well, nice you got to stay on his good like, side so oh, he doesn't murder you. Yeah. <laughs> or put a curse on you that connects to a cat, a, a dead cat. Oh, good God. Yes. Don't do that. <laughs> she probably didn't know about that or she, she would have cut ties, I'm sure. Oh, I would imagine. I would imagine. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then, so that issue, I, I like those two issues together. Like, they, they, they're like one kind of solid story that gives you a little bit about John's future and past. And then they set you up for like alternate realities and how John got there in those late later two issues. But in between those two storylines, we get this. Uh, I think this is a horrific storyline personally, which is why we even did these issues for Halloween a couple issues or a couple Halloweens ago. Um, in the main podcast, I remember reading these and these stuck with me too. just the horrificness of the dad, like how horrible he is. And just the the way it ends, I was always like, "What the fuck!" Like, <laughs> so I think I vaguely recall that. Yeah, it was still enough that I I didn't recognize it when the story came up. So if I listened to it, it was probably just once when you first came out, and it didn't really I didn't really surface the memories of oh, it's this story. Maybe it was so bad that I just like horrific that I blocked it out, and so I was like reading it all over again. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, when me and John do it, we kind of do like a general overview of stuff. And then when I do it, I'm reading like the actual issue. So um, maybe maybe it didn't sit in your mind like like it would now. But um, but yeah, that whole stuff with the kid Martin and I mean, obviously, the pretense for it's kind of weak where it's just like Mercury told us to drive this way. And so we did. But like, I guess well, yeah. she needs to help somebody. Yeah, he needs help. <laughs> And so, like, I mean, I, I assume that's what they do anyway, though, because they're just they just drive around in a caravan. So it's not a power that has come up before, though, of her being like the specific person in this kind of specific place needs my help. Um, Unless maybe they use it. They later. did in the fear machine. So, like, in the fear machine room, she would feel everything that was going on, not when she was in the actual like machine, but when she was in her room, she could she knew that the doctor was going to die and that he like was in love with her. She knew that the guy next door was going like, like put scissors in his eyes. Quick. That was like, like within a close proximity. So right. unless they're saying like her powers have grown. That's what I think they're saying. And now she can like reach out and find people. I think that is what okay. they're saying. I think there was they okay. were, because of fear machine. I think her powers got more from that. And then also she's older. It's been about what a year or whatever. So um, I think that she has more abilities because even like uh, in this issue, when the dog, when the dad says like to attack her and the dog goes to attack her, but then she's like, Hey dog. And like the dog's like, Arr! and like rolls over on his belly. Um, yeah. Oh, the poor dog. Yeah. The dog. <laughs> yeah. This one is not a good one. If you like animals, I will say that. Uh, yeah. Completely different from, you know, dog possessed by a creepy guy to dog obviously raised in an environment where it made it violent but she sort of did like a brain click and got rid of those violent thoughts and made it nice and then that ends up getting you know that, that was yeah it gets it killed <laughs> yeah i don't think she knows that though and i don't she wasn't there when that happened so yeah um hopefully but yeah this story with martin was always like i always felt really creeped out by the dad and how like how he like 
there's that scene where he like holds the knife up to his wife's stomach like he's gonna gut her but he's talking like sexually with her and it's like that's creepy like (laughs) what the fuck That's, so, that's pretty messed up. Yeah, that, and then he's just a terrible person anyway. This is like... It gave me feelings... Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, no, you can go. Oh, well, it, it gave me feelings of, like, that one with the town where everyone just, like, became their innermost urges of... Yeah, except there's no magic in this one. This guy except is Except there's creepy. no magic. He's just... He is just that. He is just whatever he is feeling and whatever he wants to do. He just does it. He's just already complete. But, like, I mean, that level of, like, ick factor yeah. <laughs> horrific it factors like they were calling back to that or at least with that you know there was a reason behind it there was you know that technically wasn't those people i mean it was but it was like them being released from all their inhibitions but this is just like oh by the way this guy is horrible and he does everything those people in that town do but without any you know <laughs> without well, prompting him yeah, yeah being without, a horrible person without any magical spell or weird thing he just he's just a terrible person in general so i mean whatever traumas he obviously went through as well because of the whole end creepy trip that uh murphy put in his head Whatever those deep-seated oh, yeah. things are. Obviously, there's some horrible shit there that I'm kind of glad they didn't go into because it lets you imagine, like, oh, my God, what has he done? I think you can <laughs> What's guess. What's he done to him and what has he done? <laughs> yeah, I think you can guess what is in his mind by what happens where, you know, there's, like, the sexy pig lady carcass. And then, I don't know, in my mind, I'm like, so he really, like, puts the idea of, like, dead thing and sex together in his head so i thought it was more of like a combination of like women are pigs or women are oh yeah it could be that too that is yeah i mean he literally (laughs) says that a couple times where he's like yeah they're just chattel for us to like do what we want with them so um yeah i mean that's definitely there but like even if it is that why is it a dead pig (laughs) like and i think maybe he killed his mom oh oh yeah because he calls her mom right Right. So, yeah. I think he, whatever situation he came from, he obviously thought his mom was a pig. You know, maybe she slept around. Maybe she, you know, did things that he thought were dirty or disgusting. Even if they weren't in his brain, whatever his brain uh, was getting the information of of things. There's obviously some weird contrast between what might have been actually happening and what actually happened. It, or it could also be that he did just come from a horrible childhood as well. But either way, there's definitely a connection between uh, he thinks women are animals, specifically pigs, and he probably murdered his mother and cut her open like he would like cut open a pig to yeah. take its insides out would be my guess. Is, that is, I never thought of that. That is a good... Uh... <laughs> Uh, uh, analyzation <laughs> of that uh i never picked up on the like oh it, he's talking about literally his mom i thought he just had like mommy issues in general but yeah it makes sense that if he killed his mom and then that pig comes back as her as her in like weird fetish clothes and stuff yeah like that's probably how he saw her <laughs> yeah but yeah, that that one I always love the ending of that because he really gets his. Although I kind of wish it wasn't because uh, at the end the mom they pick the mom up in the van and they're like, "Oh, where's your dad?" Or she or Martin asks her, "Where's dad?" And he she says, "Oh, the cops took him away because he was like I woke up and he was inside of a pig carcass crying or whatever." And I kind of wish it was real, like there was a pig monster that killed him and like you know tore him up or whatever. But I guess you know 
he didn't want to. I mean, it was all in his head for Mercury. I would have been more satisfied if he had somehow just like either strangled himself on the pig's guts because he was climbing into it. Or I just would have wished he'd been found dead instead of like mentally scrambled or whatever. Because then he's still alive. He's still, you know, whatever kind of help they try to get him or, or whatever gets to potentially be redeemed or at least live the rest of his life, even if he's like mentally scrambled or whatever. But I would have loved just sort of the finality of like, and then they found his body like way into a pig carcass. Yeah, because fuck that guy, right? Or something. Exactly. Like, it, I would have preferred that personally. <laughs> yeah, me too, I think. But I don't know why they pulled the punch. Maybe because, you know, Martin would have been sad or something. So maybe they didn't want. Would he, though? His dad does like beat him and tried to pretend like he was, but possibly would have like actually like gutted him like a pig. Well, I think the weird thing is. Forced him to meet all the time. I mean. Yeah, the, the weird thing is, though, I'm sure Martin. You know, like a lot of children who have abusive families when they're little or they're younger, they have that like they need the they want the approval of that parent that's beating them and stuff. Um, and they need it like they crave that. And so maybe he would be sad at first until he realizes and works through all that stuff when he's an adult. But he's only like 15 or something. Right. So plus he did almost beat his dad to death, which Mercury stopped him from doing. Oh, that's death. true. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. I think. Him actually learning that his dad was dead might have taken a weight off him of like, I don't have to deal with him anymore, as opposed to now he's like, well, technically his dad's alive. So now he has to think about, oh, will I ever get redemption? Will I ever be able to talk to him and ask for like a like an apology or something when his yeah. brain is all scrambled or whatever? But Well, you know, you know what? <laughs> now that you said that Mercury, you know, Mercury is the one who did it to him. So maybe that's why she didn't mm -hmm. have him kill himself or something, because just like she stopped Martin from killing him with the bone. Oh, that's it's like, true. Oh, she she just scrambled his brain, made him useless, and mm -hmm. uh, you know took away took away all the evil compulsions in him or whatever. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully. like hopefully he doesn't in his scrambled state try to like gut people. He thinks he sees pigs now, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think Mercury wouldn't do that to him, uh, <laughs> even like that. But you know, I mean, I don't hopefully think he comes she back. neutered his brain, and then he's just yeah, just like drooling in the corner muttering about pigs or something yeah 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 that's what we we want sure why not that's what happened because it doesn't ever come up again so <laughs> at least that i've ever read I, I have not read anything that references that i don't think so um and then so after that story arc which is you know one of the creepier weirder um storylines to me he does like to go like like up to like highbrow sort of like fear machine like oh this mental craziness and then down to like yeah people getting you know slaughtered yes and a guy who's obsessed with pigs and like slaughtering pigs and meat and things and then back up to oh by the way john had a twin in utero and killed him <laughs> yes yeah so like yeah we go from this story which is really easy to wrap your head around and maybe that's why i did it to one of the most like hard to describe and read and understand stories like i have gotten People, you know, f that listen to this on Patreon be like, wait, what happened? Like, <laughs> and I don't know if it's me or like my description of it or if it's actually, um, you know, just the, the material itself. I think it's the material itself, although I'm sure I didn't describe everything 100% perfect. But um, it was really hard to do these last two issues because, one, they bring back the whole everybody and you have to kind of like say where everybody is and and like in their mind and in their, their mental place and everything. And then like what, why everybody's hanging out like Errol and Zed and everything. And then mm. 
the whole um all the tarot stuff is very like what you know <laughs> like i don't quite understand all of this magical th- these magical things and then one thing i did like is the the vision that john has at the end of the first book or, which is issue 39 where he like he sees that cave after eating a bunch of mushrooms and then he like goes into it and it's like the giant female cave so he's literally like walking into a womb and um and yeah i don't know i liked the imagery of that stuff um but then then the next issue was like what like because it you you think oh i'm gonna like go on some journey with john but then they just cut to once this the issue 40 starts this future world where john is the golden boy magus not the one we've been following and uh and like all his friends are alive and it's this weird future world. It's still the post-apocalyptic world. Like climate change happened, but, or the world was destroyed by climate change. But, uh, you know, he was able to survive with all his friends cause he's such a powerful Magus. And, um, just like all that stuff was really hard to explain like why people are alive or who was talking. I got to remind everybody, Oh yeah, that's the person from this issue or that's the person from this issue. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and then also the weird, trippy thing that happens when they go into like where the magus goes into the weird dimension with our john and he like they talk it out and then they're like oh, okay we're bros now like let's fuse back into one they do like what's it like a fusion dance and then yeah <laughs> like dragon fusion ball from dragon ball yeah yeah <laughs> and then they like you know they fuse and then now john is whole again so I think the, now they're John John. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think they're they're the concept is there, right? Like it's a cool concept. But this is one of those things I'm like just goes over my head. Like like I think the execution isn't quite pulled off like a lot of Jamie Delano's stuff. But I like it. I I like the idea of it. It's just a lot of you just have to really understand like magical processes, I think, to get it. So it seems like, oh yeah, totally. It's like if someone's talking to you about you know circuit boards and you don't know anything about it all this like lingo and uh you know technical words and stuff are going over your head because you don't understand what those mean so whenever they're talking about tarot or you know these 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 ley lines yeah ley lines magical stuff you might not have the vocabulary for it's like okay i mean i'm able to pick up some of it but like a lot of it is going over my head and that's why I was like, go to Google if you have questions about this shit, because <laughs> I don't know anything about this magic stuff. But um, but yeah, like I think it is a weird ending to this this uh, run. Like it's definitely, I get, it definitely explains why John has so much bad shit happens to him, like um, that he wasn't a complete person because he strangled the good version of him in the womb. But I, one thing I like is that the the good version of him in that that dystopian future where it's the the golden boy Magus uh, is alive. He still feels like he's being haunted by the bo- the brother he killed. So both are, are equally haunted. They just have massively different lives or like uh, outcomes of, of his life choices, I guess. Um, as opposed to just like, Oh, everything's perfect for this one. And, and everything's shit for the Arjon. Um, it's like, yeah, that's it. But it's also a little bit more complex than that. Um, so what what do you think about all this stuff? Did you follow it? Did you you know? Did you get it? Do you think you grasp it? I thought going into it that the future we were being shown was because John was on mushrooms. He was having sort of like a a similar trip to what Mercury did because she's already opened that door before. But because of the mushrooms, he was seeing a future that could have been. 
Like, it, what if I had actually been the golden son that had lived instead of my shitty self? This is the future I could have had. So I thought it was literally John, like, feeling the way he did with Mercury's future uh, vision, a different future vision of of what could have been because he was already like seeing the golden boy ghost or vision of, of that, whatever that was. So I thought with that, plus the mushrooms, he was kind of imagining, Oh, if only I could have like, he would basically imagine a world where everything he did worked or like, or the best possible outcome happened. So yes, he saves, um, what's her name? From Astra. The demon back in the beginning. Astra. Yes. Like, so he managed to sacrifice part of himself instead of, you know, losing her. He saved Gary Lester. He saved Benjamin. Um, everybody loves and adores him and essentially views him as their savior. He is the Magus. So to me, I, I took it as this is John's ultimate realization of who he could have been. Um, until the other John came in. <laughs> and then I was like, wait. So wait, he wasn't this version of himself. This is, in fact, a separate version of himself, like an alternate reality timeline not just a mushroom trip thing he was having in his head because the other john talks to him like our john is like you know hey dude i've been like haunting you this whole time or something which just seemed really weird so i i really thought that i had it in the beginning that i was like oh this is so cool we're getting like a weird mushroom trip alternate potential future that he could have had but yeah as soon as it started getting into the fact that these were two separate johns like they were actually saying hey these are two separate johns who are both kind of tripping meeting each other and then combining into the one person they should have been which again doesn't make sense because if they were twins they would have been two separate people they would have been good twin and bad twin or something so well i think i think twin, the idea is twin. and i might be wrong on this but I, the idea was there wasn't supposed to be twins and because there was like it was a either like a, a a happenstance that you know th something that wasn't meant to happen happened and this perfect he's supposed to be both of them right like so uh each one feels the loss of the other or like the separation because there wasn't supposed to be another one and then at, and so when and then because of that each one is jealous you know in, in depending on which reality and that's why they kill them in the womb it's like oh this one's ugly and i'm gonna kill it and or and or you know, this one's pr perfect and I'm going to kill it. And so, w which is weird. Cause it's also like this baby is conscious inside of the mom. So, <laughs> or these yeah. babies are, but even without that, like I get the idea that he's going for, which is it's always supposed to have been one child, but unfortunately, whatever happened that made it, you know, split and become two, two beings that were like, and this is kind of like, uh, like twins, I think like John is That's the shit. That's what I was thinking too. John is the yeah, shit, and twins. you know the Golden Boys, Danny and Arnold, DeVito and Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then or like uh, the Simpsons with Hugo who lives in the basement. And oh like, yeah, it's like wait a second. Yeah, wait a second. <laughs> Hugo, the good one, was the one on the left side, and then it's like, uh oh, Bart's the bad time. one. Yeah. <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I, I like the idea. Once again, I think the concept is there. It just. Maybe it's because I'm not magically inclined or whatever. I don't know what these rules are or why. Maybe that's something common, like, you know, the lore of 
certain people, maguses or whatever, maybe they're, this is like a thing that happens or can happen, but I don't know. Mm. So it, it just makes it seem like, yeah, 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 this is totally normal. You know, this happens all the time, you know, future or like, 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 yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm just, not really yeah, <laughs> magically yeah. inclined either. Yeah. So I have no idea on that front. <laughs> but I did, I did like, you know, how they, at the end, they have that conversation and then they become one which was always supposed to be, at least this is my interpretation, which was always supposed to be the outcome originally, but somehow fate or whatever stepped in and made two beings and created John's shitty life. So, um, and I think like the idea is like, oh, if, if John had had that good side of him, you know, inside of him as well, he would have not fucked up when he was younger and had the whole thing with Astra. Even though it's our John, he still would have been good, right? So or he would have had that like, all powerful Magus feel about him. And he would probably have a good relationship with his dad and, you know, stuff like that. So like his dad, even though his dad was like, um, sad that the mom died, he wouldn't have looked at him as a baby in the, you know, infant area and been like, ugh, get that fucking thing away from me. There would have been like the little golden hue and he'd be like, Oh, well at least, at least she died bringing this bundle into the world or whatever, you know? <laughs> it would have been normal, right? It would yeah. have been like a perfect baby that they're even like, this baby's so perfect, it's scaring me. Uh, or like, oh, this baby's so ugly, it's scaring me. It would have been like, it's a normal kid. And yeah, yeah looks maybe cute. he would have had Fine. a better relationship with his father. Yeah. So I, 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 I like what he tried to do. I don't think he fully pulled it off, at least for me. Um, and I think other people have a hard time understanding exactly what's going on in this as well. But it does you know, on a reread, you get to pick up a lot of, a lot of things, you know, like you're like, Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick up on that. Like, that's a cool idea. You can kind of like mull it around because it is so, uh, like tied to this, this system of magic that I don't understand everything, all the rules of, I guess. Um, but yeah, the only thing I don't like about this issue <laughs> is the ending when like all his friends are looking for him after he, you know, bonds with his twin and, you know, comes back to our reality and is, you know, Errol and Marge and everybody are looking for him with Zed. And they find the card on the ground, the tarot card. And then they find, like, the rock that looks like a gravestone. And it's like, John Constantine was here. He was great or whatever. And then, like, he just, he just disappeared. It's kind of like the end of Fear Machine, actually, now that I think about it. We're like, It is kind of his away. MO to just disappear and just be like, who knows what happened to me? Bye. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you again. I'm so mysterious. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I was such a weird, I don't know why he ended it like that. He could have had like, well guys, you know, I got to go find me own way. Like, you know, <laughs> like I appreciate <laughs> well, that everything. is essentially what he said just without him actually saying it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean like, you know, they're friends. They've been, they've known each other for a long time, you know? So, um, you would think. Maybe he just would. likes to do it too. Like, uh, mercury and and marge because <laughs> yeah. to them well he told person. marge like i this ain't gonna happen like we're not gonna be a thing so um yeah he definitely did not let her down easy in the first or in issue 39 of this little arc so um yeah that was kind of a dick move to be like it's not gonna happen by the way where's zed like, yeah oh yeah for real right <laughs> that was a bit harsh that was a bit harsh yeah i'm surprised john doesn't have more lady issues with uh with him being like, so yeah, thanks for the couple nights ago when I manipulated you into sex. Anyway, uh, where's Zed? I'm kind of horny again. Like, <laughs> I am seeing a pattern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah. So 
that is that's the end of of the Jamie Delano run. So, uh, what did you think of the run as a whole? It starts with where, where did it start again? I mean, I'm talking about the whole run, like like from yeah, issue one. Yeah, that's what one. I mean. Like, where was oh, the beginning? It starts with Gary Lester being. Uh, oh, that was the, the whole demon. run. Yeah. Oh, okay. That that was the whole run. I, I forgot that he was the one from the very beginning. Yes. It goes through a lot, man. <laughs> Is this the longest thing you've read other than Sandman? It might. Well, I mean, I've also read like Invincible and. Oh, you've read all of Invin- um, Invincible. Well, I've gotten up to well that and Walking Dead. I've not read all of them. I've read up to, I forget how many issues. Not issues. Sorry, trades. I'm up to like, I think I got up to like Negan in the. In oh, okay. Dead. So yeah, you're you're. This is you know, this isn't the longest thing, but it's one of the longer ones you've read. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually for some reason or another I end up getting cut off from a series. Either I just can't keep up with collecting the trades. Or, you know, I just, I just fall away or forget about it for some reason. Um, but yeah, sticking with this, I mean, aside from Swamp Thing, you know, because again, that's another thing I've never actually gone through by myself. Um, yeah, this was a huge chunk of going from the beginning of a character to sort of the end question mark of a character. <laughs> right. You know, whatever happens beyond this, obviously, this is the entirety of this version of John who's been half a person this whole time this whole time <laughs> the whole time yeah i i think um for me i love this run it's it's definitely questionable whether you need to read the whole thing um if you just want to get like the greatest hits stuff so like usually when people say where should i start with john constantine i'm always like well you can read the first 12 issues of hellblazer and then you can jump to issue 41 with Garth Ennis, which is like considered the best run of the series or one of the best. And it's also like a lot of the inspiration for the movie. So um, I usually just tell people that so that you get like the first, you get a good feel for how Jamie wrote him in the first 12 issues and you get all the backstory that you need. And then you you jump to Garth Ennis who kind of takes the character and runs. So like, and it makes sense. One thing I do like is because Jamie Delano did this and set up, okay, John is a more complete person now. He's like the, he, like you said, he's kind of what he should have been. He's both sides. He's like the, the, uh, the weak side and the strong side. So he's got a little bit more cockiness in the Garth Ennis run, which sets up nicely from this, right? Because it would make sense that he, his personality kind of changes after these two issues. Um, because yeah, I, I feel like there is a change where John gets a lot more like a little bit more uh, cocky and Magus energy. Yeah, Magus energy, big time Magus energy. I feel he's willing. <laughs> he goes out of his way to really fuck with hell. I mean, he's always done that, but like there's like a particular swagger he's got after this uh, run, and it, I think it makes sense. You know, it, it really does set up. Um, even though like he's still going through like horrible things in his life, he is able to handle them way better than he did before i think um so yeah i i I think this run as a whole is pretty strong even though if you're just gonna if you just want to read like the good parts of hellblazer i never really recommend to read fear machine Uh, i always recommend the like the family man story arc i think that's really good yes i was gonna say that one to me is important because it has 
more personal history, like what you learned in the very beginning of the run. Um, so yeah, if you want to skip over Fear Machine, fine. <laughs> yeah. But Family Man, I would say, is would also be up there. Yeah, and then also you get the good, Section you know, Neil Gaiman part. Uh, you know, the the mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman story and stuff. So, and you get the cool dog story. So. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, so so I I like this run. I think uh, it is very interesting for the ideas that he throws out. Um, but like I said, he doesn't always like land those ideas. But I I, I appreciate what he's trying to do in it. Um, and also like how dark Jamie Delano gets. There are some yeah. fucked up issues in this run. I feel like I feel like I've read other issues that get pretty dark. But considering like the nineties is known for like being super fucked up and like extreme and all that shit, like this stuff to me is way more fucked up than any of that shit. Um, for the most part, I can't really think of anything that's more adult or challenging with concepts and stuff than this run for the time period. And especially since at first this was just a DC book. This was not a vertigo book until 1993. So there was five years of you know jamie delano's run actually i think you know what is it 12 issues so he only wrote it for just under four years so um that being said like he was barely in the 90s and he's writing all this under the the main dc logo i don't even know how he did that like um there's some really fucked up shit in this run (laughs) and uh i'm surprised they let him do it if you wouldn't I mean, especially if it's just going to be like an on the stand comic. And it was that that you could just pick up and just like, oh, this looks cool. There's a bunch of cute statues running around and they look like giant babies. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> yes. What could this be? My nephew likes to read comics. He might like this. He's six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would not be a good thing. Um <laughs> To pick that up randomly. Although I think because it's just called Hellblazer, no one knows what that is. So like newsstands aren't buying Hellblazer and putting it on there. They could, but you know, they're sticking with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, whatever. True. You know. So I I don't think, you know, seven eleven was carrying too many issues of Hellblazer, but um at the <laughs> same time it still was supposed to be under the code and all that stuff. So um it's still surprising that this got away. Like they let him do it. I think because Alan Moore had already gotten away with a lot with his Swamp Thing run. So they're like, okay, these books, we're just going to like let them do what they want because they're selling well and it's cool. Um, but so so what did you think of Jamie or what do you think of Jamie Delano as a writer and a storyteller after reading this whole run? I really like where his mind goes. And I mean that as both like from the horrific side to the just like crazy whacked out ideas that were presented throughout the run. Like I was always surprised. I was, you know, never disappointed really. I mean, Fair Machine is is long, but it's it's not really disappointing. It still kind of gives you a complete story as weird as it is. And as long as it is, it's still a great idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I really enjoyed like all the stories that he came up with. And then, you know, there are the individual issues as well thrown in there that the guest writers wrote or or maybe, you know, expanded on his concepts, like with the dog one. Yeah. But I, I would love to see other things that he's written because I really enjoyed, like, just the whole 
the whole thing. Yeah, I know that he. So every now and then I'll see like a random one shot that he wrote for DC back back uh, like in the '90s, and I always pick those up because they're always fucked up, um, <laughs> and they're always like really nice. freaky and weird. Um, they're always for Vertigo at that time, so he was always he's always good for like a wow that was a messed up story. Uh, he needs to write horror stories, man. I think I Where think he does write novels? books. I don't. I think he writes more <laughs> magical stuff though. I might be wrong, but I know he oh. does write books now too. So. I have to look him up. Yeah, look him up. But uh but at the same time, um like would would you recommend this run to someone getting into Hellblazer? Oh, totally. Okay. I I mean I would agree start with the first twelve because that sets the stage. And if if it's press for time and like you said, the jump from that to Garth Ennis, if most people know him from the movie, which is also how I knew him. And sort of like a mini quick history and then jumping straight to Garth Ennis, which has the connections to the movie, like you said, sounds like a perfectly plausible way to do it. And then if they really get into the character to then backtrack to after, like from issue 13 to 40 to go through it that way. Yeah. It's sort of like when you suggest a TV show and you're like, okay, well, watch this, you know, watch maybe like the first three episodes, but then jump to episode 15. And then you really get like the meat and potatoes of, of like what the series offers. And then go back and rewatch like the rest of them up to that, just to get people like hooked first. Right. I think it works out like great like that. Yeah, that's basically what I did with this. Like I read the first trade, I think, and then, um, I re- I had read like even later stuff. I read like the Brian Azzarello stuff, which is in the one forties, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I want to know more about this, so let me go back and like start reading Fear Machine, and then. I like I liked the character enough that I could get through Fear Machine without it like bogging me down. <laughs> That's but what I, you want is you want yeah. them to like him enough to get through the ones that you're like. Uh, well, yeah, but to be fair, it's, it's only nine long. issues out of forty, so you know. <laughs> and not all of them are bad or anything. It's just a long story. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad like now you are aware of Jamie Delano, and if you see that name on other stuff, like I know he's written. Was, I think he wrote Animal Man for a little bit is it animal man oh, I don't know. Nice. he wrote another vertigo series after this for a while and i was like "Ooh, i need to pick that up because i want to see yeah. his take on some of those things um but uh yeah like i i love that like you could get into him and you you know who he is now and if you saw his name on a comic you might just pick it up just because it's him um, i probably would just because i'm like oh okay this has his name on it that means it's got to be good yeah no, or weird or at least good, weird, weird yeah perfect, it might open your mind a little bit you know like yeah. it might not be your favorite <laughs> thing but you're it could end up being more like you know the weird part as opposed to the, the scary part or the gross out part but either way it's going to be a good story yeah it's going to change your perspective of the world either way so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah well i'm i'm yeah it's it's super awesome that uh that we got this far and uh now we get to start on the garth ennis run which is one of my favorite runs of all time of all comics so very excited about that um is there any other stuff that uh, i missed or anything you want to go over i am excited to see where all the best parts of the movie come from yes what the inspiration was for those but um actually i do want to ask you like i asked you before did you have a favorite cover this time oh i i have two favorite covers from this little eight issue run uh that finished up this this whole uh jamie delano run which is uh i love the dog issue which is issue Mm. 32 just because it's so like 
all the other issue covers are just esoteric and there's you know words written in hieroglyphics in the background and you know it's like it it gives you a feel it gives you an emotion or like a feeling but it doesn't really tell you what's in it the dog one is just a dog biting a a john's head i think or just a person's head and it's like uh uh-huh got it yeah but it's like i liked the straightforward weirdness of that yeah and creepy factor and yeah and the dog is like distorted (laughs) like it's a creepy weird looking dog so that works (laughs) And then I you know there's going like, to be some sort of killer dog in the story. Yes, for sure. Very straightforward. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, one one cover out of 40 that tells you what's in the fucking episode <laughs> or the issue. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but then uh, I really also like the the mirrored issue, which is issue 39. That cover mm. being being like on top that says Hellblazer and then on and then halfway down it mirrors itself on the bottom. So it says Hellblazer again, but it's all upside down and everything. I liked that a lot. And I think that if that actually, like, once again, it tells the story of the cover if you know the story. But if you don't, you're like, what the fuck kind of cover is this? Weird, it's trippy, and it's very unusual, and, and enough for you to go like, what's fuck? And then want to pick it up to find out what the hell is going on here. Exactly. So I, I enjoy that, those two covers. Did you have one that you liked the most? The dog one, for sure. I have to say, just again, because it is straightforward and gives you that feeling of like monster which i do love anything with monsters in it so monster dog i was like cool is it like a werewolf dog is it just like a like an enormous dog obviously it's gonna eat most likely eat people because there's a head in its mouth i'm down for that crazy dog story of some kind yeah it's like Cujo. (laughs) i like that my second favorite and it would be first if I didn't like the dog one so much. It would be David Keen's with the four heads on it. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, David just, Keen did the art in that, too. I mean, normally I would automatically put him first just because I love his art so much. But the dog wins me over stronger than just his name can. So right. I, I did love that cover, too, just because it looked so like each face was specific and different and just slightly off and, and weird. I, I really liked how it almost looked like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. I love puzzles and and just kind of showing different facets i think of it's supposed to be i think it's all supposed to be john as if it's different versions of him which also ties into the story too so right i thought that was really cool yeah well that's awesome i like that one too but i'm i just the mirror one trips me out every time i look at it so i enjoy that um but yeah so we will do another one of these once we get into the garth ennis run and probably finish the first arc and then whatever like i don't know i don't remember how many like if there's one shots in between or that kind of stuff in between the arcs or if there's like two issue story arcs or something but we'll figure it out as we go but definitely at least the first arc which is the first six issues and maybe a couple of the issues after that if if there's no like big arc that immediately follows so um oh cool yeah so that'll be fun and uh yeah hope you guys enjoy and as always if you want to sign up for our Patreon and get all of the Garth Ennis run because I'm basically on two issues away from it ending as of today, uh, in Patreon. So if you want to skip, skip ahead and don't want to listen to the free version, you can go on patreon.com, uh, backslash plane trains and comic books or wait forward slash plane trains and comic books, all one word, um, and sign up there on the Hellblazer tier and get the entire library I have, which includes, like I said, all of this run and all of the Garth Ennis run. And, um, yeah. Uh, anything else? Any last words, Hoku? Plus the extras that Patreon members also get. 
Oh, that's true. Episodes. Yes, we get like yeah. <laughs> I we, like those. We do those the, are uh, fun. <laughs> the uh the special ones just for just for our Patreon members, an extra main podcast every month. So uh, if you have any interest in that, once again it's patreon.com slash playing trades and comic books, all one word. And uh, with that, we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you.